BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? This is Brother Ali in the mix with Tim Einekel on The Library. Keep it right here. When I wake up, no makeup, have naked, I feel like I'm the shit. Pardon my language, but hang-ups do not define the kid. No, I'm not flawless, I'm scarred up and I'm fine with it. My body are the laundry list of all of life's unkindnesses, but I still sip tea and My next guest has performed or worked with Talib Kweli, Dead Prez, Brother Ali, David Banner, Slug from Atmosphere, Dynasty, and many more. Prior to 2016, she dropped... A bunch of albums and a bunch of music. Look, you see, my dialogue, little awkward. My idols still move me. My life is a movie, like Raheem and Mookie. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Hope that it improves. Uh, she's a rock, and I want to welcome her to the library to my Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> cool. So, I want to start, I, of course, I want to talk about your music. Um, there's a track you did on Brother Ali's track, uh, We Got This. You spit, uh, finally my daddy can understand me a little better. See why daddy can understand me a little better. See why I gave up my BA for another set of letters. Cause if he knew to what degree I sacrificed for this road, he might be proud of the life I chose to go get us. But time's too precious to be wasted on a grudge between us. Ain't no bond greater than the shared flesh and blood between us. And we can make it through the toughest time together if we let our guards down and just allow our love to lead us right. Why did you choose pursuing a career in hip hop culture and rap music over getting your BA? Well, I think at the time when I decided to leave college, I just kind of felt like what I was pursuing, the career that I was pursuing wasn't my passion. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't what I was doing. Um, and I just kind of honestly stumbled upon a career in love for hip hop. Um, after I met uh, my DJ and producer, Soul Messiah, after I moved down to Atlanta, he had worked with you know several artists and I loved the music that he was doing. And then one day we were just kind of playing around in the studio and I recorded something that I had written. I've always been a writer. I've always written poetry. I've always had, you know, respect and admiration for many different poets. And of course, hip hop too. I grew up listening to hip hop and in culture, but um, it wasn't until I laid that poem down to a, you know, onto a beat and it turned out okay that I discovered, hmm, okay, that I'm not bad at this. So as I continued, I realized that, you know, I actually enjoyed, you know, actually spitting the lyrics as opposed to just writing because I'd never done like open mics or anything like that on my poetry. Um, so, yeah, it was it just kind of happened on accident. And I realized that 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 was from the first time that I, I stepped on stage and I, I shared it. I shared a part of myself with the audience. I realized that this was was deeper than just, you know, um, 
a creative endeavor. It was, it was a calling. Prior to getting on that stage, did you was your poetry just private? I mean, was it just for yourself, or were, I mean, were it you sharing? Was private. I had, yeah, it was private mostly. But I've I've always been in the performing arts. I've always done theater, and I've done um, like recitations during like events and stuff like that. But right. I never, I, I was never one of those poets that like went to open mics and things like that. So it was stuff that I kind of just did with school and shared with friends and stuff like that, but never on, you know, a stage per se. How is approaching uh, a poem as a writer and even, I mean, I know you said you didn't really perform it, but even performing it different than approaching, you know, being approaching as an MC and writing, a, you know, just bar, 16 bars. Well, you can be more abstract when you're writing a poem. And typically when, as my poetry, as my poetry evolved, it went from, you know, basic rhyme schemes to just more like a, a an in-between between poetry and, po- and prose. So I could be a little bit more, um, again, abstract. I could be a little bit more creative where um, with writing bars, you know, each line has to have an impact, whether you're doing, you know, a punchline or something like that or in, in the, the rhythm is a really big thing in hip hop. So it was, it was like the rhythm came easily to me, but as I, as I um, embarked upon my, my craft and got better over the years, like I, I played around more with like rhythm and, and rhyme patterns and stuff like that. And you don't have to really get into that with poetry or I didn't get into that with poetry. Of course, with spoken word, there's more of a nuance as far as like flow and stuff like that. But I wasn't a spoken word artist. Uh, you spit uh, secret writers made me not Jay-Z but Langston I'm still trying to digest the dream deferred and every time I the who featuring David Banner um, what was it about and that for that what was it about kind of Langston Hughes that spoke to you and do you remember the first poem you read or you know or heard by him that made you want to just become a writer uh, my parents my parents raised us on a lot of we grew up Reading Langston Hughes, they they um, read to us like bedtime stories. They would read us the simple stories by Langston Hughes. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, and you know we read Zora Neale Hurston and we read um, all these other kind of notable poets, County Cullen and stuff like that. So uh, Langston Hughes probably one of the one of the uh, first poems I read by him was A Dream Deferred, and as you know, a black woman <clears throat> who came from impoverished community where often, you know, we're, we're, we face so much adversity that our dreams often do shrivel up like raisins in the sky and we don't get a chance to go beyond what, go beyond the opportunities we're afforded, which are very limited. Mm-hmm. So part of my Part of my, I don't want to say mission, because I don't, <laughs> but, but part of my goal in being an MC is to kind of widen the world and widen the scope and widen the narrative so that people who may have come from a background similar, similar to mine can see that there's not just these predetermined options for them. There's, there's so much more that they can achieve um, in spite of what society would have them believe. I'm an alien and an outcast, a pillar in the land of ruin. Who am I? I'm the words you're afraid to speak, the face you're too vain to see. Who am I? 
I am scarlet, call me crimson red. The blood of a million slaves in every verse that I pen. I'm dark matter in a world of lightweights. The future you can't fathom, your inescapable fate. I am freedom through a musical note. I am you inside of the mirror, the reflection of hope. Part of your mission as an MC writer is to do that. Uh, is there a way of doing that as an MC uh, without... I don't know if it's going to sound right. Without, without kind of isolating your audience, uh, you know, with, with I guess, limiting your reach in terms of, like, you know, you have the people, you have people that you speak to and that can relate to you, but then also getting to people that maybe are, you know, not familiar with this type of, you know, this kind of situation, this way you grew up. Uh, is that something that you ever have to consider when you're writing your music? Well, no, I mean, I feel like at the, at the base, at the foundation of every experience, there's pain, there's you know, there's trauma, there's triumph, there's all of these things. We all have obstacles. It just, our environment and our beginnings kind of shape those obstacles. So at the very, every human being has experienced um, having to triumph over um, a barrier or, you know, defy some kind of odd. Their odd may be... <laughs> much bigger or smaller than what I've, what I've had to face or what someone else has to face. But I, I think that when we get to the heart of just telling stories and being authentic about telling those stories, everybody can relate. You're, you're, obviously a, you're obviously a female MC, and your content is not a style that's like a Cardi B or a Nicki Minaj. And I'm not, I'm not you know, trying to make this like a, you know, he's uh, kind of like a got you question or like, you know, give me gossip on Cardi B type stuff. I wanted to touch on, I kind of wanted to touch on this because... You know, you do kind of a, you, you kind of mention in shadows approaching when you spit. They want to write the books because I'm plot heavy, but they won't give me second looks unless I'm top heavy. Let me talk to you. My daddy shared crop tobacco age six for learning. And you say this, you kind of say something similar in the reckoning as well. How much pressure is it is on a female MC in hip hop to be more like a Nicki Minaj and not like a Ciroc or a Jean Grey or even a Rhapsody? Well, I think the pressure is kind of implied more than it is. You know, I mean, I'm sure I've I've heard of experiences where women have said that, you know, you might be more successful if you dress like this or you talk about this. But I think for the most part, it's just um, implied as you I mean, you can see that the the women in hip hop that have traditionally been successful in the last probably 10, 15 years, 20 years even um, have had a, a certain type of aesthetic, you know, the right. focus has been on not only, you know, what they rhyme about, but their physical appearance. And oftentimes, you know, we get this, this particular mode of the, the, the sexy kind of vixen, you know, woman who talk, who's very proud about her sexual prowess and um, getting secure in the bag and stuff like that. And, while that content and that image represents one facet, just one facet of, you know, the entire population of women, I think it's important for other women who don't necessarily don't express like that, have other stories to tell, to get a platform to be able to show other women who don't kind of fit that mold or, or can't connect to that, uh, that there's room for them. There is, we're listening to them. There's, there's space for them to, to exist and, you know, um, time for them to share their voice. 
So I think, like I said, it's, it's to get back to your question, it's more implied than anything. And I think it, it does take an MC who is completely confident and secure in who she is to establish those boundaries as soon as she begins her career so that she's not challenged or questioned or kind of uh, cajoled into taking that path, if that's not what she wants. As, as part of the kind of the goal or the, you know, the, the statement, the goal there is to somehow convince, I mean, convince female MCs that with lyric, you know, their lyrical content will give them more of a, you know, give them longevity in their career versus, you know, their looks. Uh, is that hard to convince some, uh, a female MC to do, to, to know that? I mean, I don't really know. I, I haven't had the, I haven't had a situation where I've, you know, been trying to convince another a right. grown woman to, <laughs> to do with, you know, to, to make a decision on, you know, how she wants to represent herself, you know, that's up to her. But, um, I think, um, I think, I mean, it's important to have that conversation. I mean, cause at the end of the day, you're not going to look like that forever. So right. you have to have something to, to back it up, you know? And I think I've, I've noticed over the course of my career, I've, I've performed in everything from a floor length tunic to, you know, a mechanic suit to, to a little mini dress. Right. But I've noticed that where the real connection comes in, where people, when people can connect to actual stories, when people can connect to um, passion about matters of substance, can connect to that heart, to things that everyday people can relate to that aren't in the limelight, that don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars, that don't, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. don't live this life of glamour. You know, they go to a nine to five. They don't wear that kind of stuff. And again, they have scores of women who can relate to that. And like I said, that's a beautiful thing that, that we have, that we need. It's a beautiful thing to have a multifaceted representation of women because that's not, there's more than one kind of woman out there. There's more than one voice of woman. There's more than one style of dress. And we should be able to show all of that. And I think that it's unfortunate that, this, that we have kind of created, not we, because I'm not putting the responsibility, I'm not putting the sole responsibility on women. I think that there's this high, I read that um, it called, I read it being called this Highlander mentality, like that there can only be one so that there can only be one reigning, you know, female MC and like the, the next, anyone else coming up has to battle her for the throne. And that just kind of reinforces that those limited, limited seats at the table. And I think that that, that those kind of conditions come out of, you know, a marginalized experience. You know, there's always going to be battling for resources in, in this competition when you don't, when you're not afforded the opportunity as your, dominant counterpart. So that's what we experience as women. So, you know, I think that now that more and more artists are emerging that kind of represents something different. It, it's giving us an opportunity, women an opportunity and giving, giving women not just opportunity, but inspiration to be unapologetically walking in their truth or, you know, speaking their piece, how they see fit and not just what sells. Shock, I want to turn to a couple, a few more tracks. Uh, tracks such as Heaven on Earth, uh, Hashtag Still Troy Davis, Just Us, tracks which address police brutality and injustice, imprisonment of the wrongly accused. What 
purpose do you want them to serve for the public? But also, what purpose do these type of tracks serve for you? You know, just for yourself, and when you write them. I mean, oftentimes, um, well, oftentimes what I write is, is very cathartic. It's like journaling almost. You know, a lot of the songs that I've written that have been very um, emotional and, and touch on, you know, social injustices and stuff like that. They they come from a place of pain, an experience of pain, an experience of connecting to, you know, these hardships and this trauma and and feeling silenced, you know. Um, so that's that's the point of it for me. And um, secondary to that, well, not secondary. In addition to that, um, it's to give people a way that may feel silence as well, uh, an opportunity to be able to, through singing the song or listening to the song, to, to vocalize their feelings as well. Because um, oftentimes we are, we're muted because we don't have either the, we don't get the coverage for these things or we don't get the opportunity to um, share our worldview because we're seen as, you know, being too sensitive or, you know, uh, Again, the, the experience of the oppressed is that we're often maligned or seen as not worthy or we don't matter. Our voices don't matter. Our bodies don't matter. So it's, it's super important for me to, to, to share that, you know, this does matter. This matters to a whole hell of a lot of people, you know, whether or not they've been placated or not. You know, because a lot of times, you know, we tend to avoid this hurt. So we kind of dismiss it and, and, and kind of put a Band-Aid over it and keep moving because for a lot of people, that's the only way that they can cope. But this offers a sense of refuge through music for people who don't think they have that outlet, you know. I'm not your modern slave. I'm just the voice of resistance. Call me renegade. I got 300 years of anger running through my veins. You wonder why my rage is running over on the center stage. Melanin rich, but esteem below the poverty line. No royalty on the team, but the master card decline. So tribal lines getting drawn. On heaven, on earth, you spit. So we lick a shot, pay the toll for it, sticker shock. Sticker shock, throw the bands for a fleet of forms and some liquor shots. System got us all twisted with no pot to piss and fame the new religion. But you gon' believe him when the picture stops. So when the smoke clears and the mirror reflects back, what you see in front of you, do you respect that? We gon' be alright, that's a hundred percent fact. That's on everything I love, one hundred percent black. Can you kind of break down what these lyrics mean and what the listeners should take away from them? I wish I had them right in front of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, um, it's about kind of the, the many ways that we kind of numb our pain, um, you know, popping bottles and we tend to escape or try to escape from our experience of lack or, you know, our experience growing up in poverty and stuff like that. But by now, like doing the, the money bands on the ear and, you know, floss and, and, and compensate for what we lacked, you know, coming up, which is an understandable, albeit potentially problematic response to problematic response, which is a form of escapism and not actually dealing with, you know, the, the foundational kind of pain that comes out of being an oppressed person. So it's about 
at the end of the day, like, you know, it's cool. You've amassed, you know, this fame, you've amassed this, this uh, publicity, you've amassed this money and, you know, you're living this, this, this life. But at the end of the day, who are you? You know, are you someone that you respect? Are you someone that your children can look up to? Are you someone that is able to leave a lasting and respected legacy here on the planet and, and have an impact, a positive impact on the people who come after you? So um, I think that that's the, the age old kind of conundrum for an artist. Like, am I doing this? Do I have a responsibility to the listeners? Do I have an art, a responsibility to the audience or you know, is it just about me and, and about like having fun and, and making this money? And I think it's twofold. Yeah, you, you, you owe your primary obligation is to self and that's in any relationship. Right. You know, self-love can, you know, has to come before, you know, you love anyone else. You know, self-respect has to come before you can respect anyone else. So the same thing, like your, your primary concern should be for self first. But at the end of the day, when you have so much influence over millions of people, you have to consider what are the, what is the weight of my words? You know, you think about the, the whole seven generation proverb that uh, Native American proverb that talks about what the impact that we leave on this earth and how it affects, you know, the seven generations to follow, you know, it's important to consider like, what are the consequences of what I'm putting out into the universe? And that's, that's just it. Like, am I happy? Do I feel like, Please, that I mean, of course, not everybody's going to be happy with what I do. But at the end of the day, did I do it from a space of of, of truth? Did I do it from a space of honesty? Did I do it from a space of um, uh, good intent? Um, and yeah, we got to look at ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and and the track uh, Seven Days and Nights, you uh, you you take on I think uh, an issue that has been. I feel has been going, being uh, been it's been a problem with uh, in hip hop for quite some time. I remember when I was in uh, when I was listening to when I went to underground hip hop like Black Star. I kind of that this the lyric that you spit is kind of why and and this, the lyric you spit was now people don't appreciate the real spit. If you ain't crooning all the tune on the cooling, they wanna prove it. Play in the tank that innovated real shit. The gloves off going hand like Part of it was it's not this great wordplay that really stood out for me, but it was also kind of bring me back to when I started listening to Black Star. Is this issue that you're addressing in this lyric, is this something that's new now, or is it the same issue that we've always kind of been talking about, I feel, that always faces the art? Um, I think it's become more prevalent in recent years, but um there's always been this this divide between those who are doing it just simply for entertainment and to get money. They'll do whatever it takes, you know, from for entertainment and for money. And those who are actually serious about the craft and are serious about, you know, promoting a message and serious and have social responsibility when it comes to spitting. But it's definitely become, you know, more prevalent. We we have this. We live in this microwave age and we have this this young like upcropping of uh this this new upcropping of, of artists who you know they take pride in, in writing a song in three minutes or two minutes and you know it's you know there's the integrity is not there 
you know, musical or otherwise, it's it's just not there. And with the pop as the popularity of that kind of music grows, the industry has has pushed that, you know, kind of narrative. So, you know, we're faced with it more and more. It's harder and harder to find substantive music. It's harder and harder to find like music that actually is complex when it comes to lyrics, when it comes to tones and notes and, and instrumentation and all that stuff. It's harder and harder to find that. And so it becomes refreshing when we get, you know, albums like Prime, you know, with Royce the Five Nine and and, and um, Premiere, and we get, you know, albums from Kendrick and albums from Rhapsody and, and these people who are really focused on not only coaxing out the the emotional response, but also, you know, there's a there's a kind of a primal connection that we feel with 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 certain vibrations and notes and and real music and instrumentation so um yeah it's definitely prevalent much more prevalent nowadays as we as we um music is becoming more and more like fast food um speaking of writing you 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 know we you when my friend told me hey tim you should check out uh Ciroc, i did not realize how many how much music you had out there and it was incredible to listen to i have to say I've been doing it for like a week straight of listening to it. as much as I think all your music, you know, it doesn't, I probably not. Um, but uh, <laughs> what for you, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, what kind of inspires you to write and well, when do you, when do you find time to write? And then how do you know if an idea that kind of pops up in your head is, is enough for a song or is it just an idea? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really, no, <laughs> you never know like how something is going to hit. But um, I I write from inspiration. Like I'm not one of those. I have a lot of albums, yes, but I'm not one of those writers who I'm just always writing a 16 or a bar or whatever. I I aspire to do that, and I'm, that's that's um, part of my learning process. Just. Um, establishing a pattern of habit habit mm-hmm. in addition to writing through inspiration. Um, one of my favorite authors, Octavia Butler, um, she, she wrote some really wise words in my opinion. She's saying that forgetting about forgetting inspiration habit is more dependable habit will sustain you whether you're inspired or not. So, um, and that's a key part of, you know, developing and growing your craft or skills. So that's, that's, um, part of I'm, I'm incorporating that more in, in my process, but you know, it, it's a number of things. It could be a beat that inspires me um, that kind of like touches on a particular emotion. It could be a social event that I want to talk about, or it could be an article that makes me mad. And I just want to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of talk to that person, that writer or whatever, or, or prove to myself, you know, cause I'm always proving trying to outdo myself as an MC, as an artist. Um, but uh, wait, what was the question? How do you know if, uh, if, if an idea is a song or is it just an idea? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. Um, but I think when, you know, you get, I, I don't fully know until I, it's, fully done with like the hook and stuff. Like some people can kind of tell 
with with the verses like you know but until like the the hook is done and the my producer so messiah puts the final like um he'll add like what he calls ear cookies on there you know i'll add you know maybe some ad libs and harmonies and stuff like that i need it to be fully completed before i can can feel it i need to know like it needs to be fully fully fleshed out before i can feel it um but yeah it's it's kind of kind of an odd thing because for me like a song is never fully complete there's always something else i can do to it you know to make it better or improve upon it and that's the that's that's another thing that i have to deal with i'm 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 a perfectionist that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you uh, do you have? A, I just, I'm just curious. Do you, do you have a say or not say? But do you have in- input on kind of what um, kind of what artists are cut up within the beat that you spit over? And I and I, I asked this because I noticed that like in, in some of your tracks, you know, Busta Rhymes is cut up. You know, is you know, there's a sample of Busta Rhymes, there's a sample of Nas, a sample of Outkast. And I was just curious if, if you did, or maybe if this was like a conscious decision on who should be, who, what, 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 what artists should be sampled, and if you could kind of talk about how maybe each of these artists kind of influenced you in your career as an artist. Um. Well, it depends. Sometimes you know, Messiah, Soul Messiah will, if he hears that particular person when he's doing like cuts and stuff like that, he'll just do it. Right. Um, and then on other songs, you know, I'll say, you know, this reminds me of an outcast type of thing, or this reminds me of, I don't know, a Moses Sumney or a, a dif- depending on, you know, the artist. But honestly, uh, it's kind of dealer's choice <laughs> because, you know, he's, he's, I trust his ear, right? you know, as, as a DJ and producer. So he oftentimes will like throw stuff in there, but he knows who I like as artists and stuff. And we oftentimes like and vibe off of the same kind of music. Um, so he won't put anything in there that he knows that I don't necessarily have a connection to, mm-hmm. you know, cause I grew up listening to outcasts. Like they were after, Hmm. I don't want to say after KRS, cause there were a couple more that came after KRS. But like digital planets and like the roots and stuff, Outcast was like um, I fell in love with them. So I've done a lot of like kind of takeovers over Outcast stuff, or like in shows and stuff. We'll drop in and out of like Outcast beats. And now that I'm in Atlanta, you know, it's kind of like a dream, you know, being that this close to the place where Dungeon Family and stuff were creating and. Um, so like you'll see some artists more than others and that's definitely based off of the influence that they've had on me um as a lover of hip hop and as a creator of hip hop as well. Um so Rockin, I want to change. in 2016 you became you you signed with Rhyme Sayers uh and prior to that you were mm-hmm. you were you were releasing music independently. Um you know in the age of where there's so much debate on like the importance of a label um, what did you think, I mean, uh, how did you think, or what do you think being connected with Rhymesters, how would that kind of help you in terms of your career and maybe even reaching a bigger audience? Uh, do you see any, like, what are the benefits and I guess disadvantages of being part of a label? Well, definitely 
reaching a bigger audience, a bigger platform, um, having a bigger team to um, to promote and to share. It, it takes a lot of the weight off of us and allows us to do more um, when it's just in-house and, you know, you have, you know, myself, my very small team doing the work, it becomes, it can be stressful at times and it's harder to be, you know, as creative when you're having to do like the, the behind the scenes stuff as well, or the, I guess that would, that would be front of the scenes, but you know, however you want to say it, <laughs> but um, it helps to have a, a team, you know, off road that stuff, promoting shows, um, helping to, to book shows or helping to promote stuff on social media and stuff like that. So, um, that's been amazing. And then, and then sharing again, my work with, you know, their hundreds of thousands of additional, you know, listeners and, um, you know, supporters that they've established over their 20 years of, um, being in, in existence, 20 plus years of being in existence. Um, I think the only downside probably would be that it, it's a little bit more pressure when you have, you know, a whole other group of people who are expecting, you know, creative output. Mm. When you're doing it by yourself, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, this is easy. I'll put out, you know, I like I used to put out like there are some albums that I have, at least one album that I've done. I did in five days. Oh, wow. Me and Soul Messiah just like put Babylon. We put our heads down and we just put it out because I wanted to release some new music. And I, I wrote, we wrote, did the music and put it out in five days and we're able to just do that because we had the, the digital distribution so we were able to throw it up and put it out whereas it's more of a process um and again there's, there's more of there's different expectations when you know a label comes into play of course um we have you know the final say when it comes to creativity like that's that's um under our scope solely but um there's, there's timelines and stuff that are different. Like you have to turn in stuff and it takes longer to get things like processing in the works and, and there's other artists on the label and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things to moving parts to consider where it's not just, oh, I feel like putting on an album next week. Right. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I love it. I think that that um, helps as far as promotions as well. You know, when you have um, a label as experienced as Ron says that knows how to predict when, you know, predict trends, the best times to release stuff, you know, when like current social things are the best environment to release something in. Or, you know, you have all these other thinkers that are, you know, giving you input on when best to maximize your creativity. So when all you have to think about is the creativity and they're thinking about everything else that just lifts the whole weight off your shoulders. So we're, we're, we're loving it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned uh, creativity and, you know, and you, you you mentioned that, um, that you guys have final say anyway over your creative process. Uh, and Mm -hmm. this is a very poor transition into this other question. Uh, but there's, there's, there's (laughs) there's this track I really like by you, uh, red dawn, and I not, I not just like it because of the because of your rhymes, but also it shows this comfortability you have with not rhyming and just either having instruments or you or singing. 
Uh, and what it is is like you rhyme for two minutes and 30 seconds and then the last two minutes is just singing or more instruments. Um, when did you as an artist become or have you always been comfortable with I guess silence in a way and then what's the reason behind that two minutes uh, for this track? Um, I think Red Dawn in particular was the intent of it was to evoke a kind of emotion and sometimes you don't need words to to evoke that you know Sometimes all it takes is, is is silence. All it takes is a couple of strings or, you know, um, a drum or something like that um, for people to connect from the heart and not have to listen with their ears, per se, but listen with their heart. And um, I'm a big fan of, of Miles Davis. I grew up listening to jazz. My parents were big jazz uh, enthusiasts. And Miles and even Thelonious Monk, they said a lot in between the notes. Um, they didn't need to feel, you know, a lot of the space, you know? So you were, the listener were, was tasked with filling that space in with how they felt, you know, with, with their energy with their vibrations and stuff like that so i think it's really important to um allow the listener that space and then sometimes like i don't have anything more to say but it would be too abrupt to just stop the song so you ride that wave of energy until it feels right so yeah and i think that that probably comes from again the, the jazz background. I actually played an instrument as well, I played the trumpet as well, and then writing poetry and stuff too. Because it doesn't have to be, you know, all the time filled with this this wordy, you know, super lyrical wordplay, you know, at all times and, you know, filling every space in with an ad lib and this and that and stacking this and that. You know, sometimes simple is better. Uh, sometimes silence is needed. So I want, uh, one more. That's beautiful. I mean, one more question. Uh, you know, you're, you're as mentioned, you're set to drop an album this year under Rhyme Sayers. Um, how, yes. how, if at all, are you ensuring that this album is different than you know anything you've done and in the past? And then, if not, or, in, or if you could just speak a little bit of what can we expect from this album? And I guess when when can we expect it to drop? Um, I don't really have a release date. I'm I'm hoping for the fall. Um, but I'm just trying different things. I'm with my previous albums. I've kind of shied away from going too deep personally. Um, but this album, I'm exploring those kind of emotional depths a little bit, plumbing those emotional depths, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, cause like I said, it's, uh, writing for me is a catharsis writing, writing for me is explorative. Um, and I would, I want that to translate to through my music I think that sometimes I've used my lyrics as armor if you will and that kind of comes off across in in delivery and you know lyrical content as well like I I I love you know spitting that that you know that MC 
ish that I'm so dope. Ain't nobody doper than me, you know, get sliced up by these bars. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that that was armor for me. Mm-hmm. That was, it was armor. It was affirmation. It was a lot of things, but I think that this album is a deeper exploration of who I am as the person and not necessarily as the MC and the sharecropper's daughter in particular, that's the name of the album, um, speaks a little bit more about um, the way that my family history and experience with hardship, trauma, and these things have um, shaped and developed me as a person. And I look forward to sharing that with my listeners who haven't previously, you know, had been privy to that kind of information. And I, I, I just released um, a single called Forever and the impact of that has been amazing. And I think that it speaks to the importance of just getting vulnerable. You know, of course you reserve, you know, a space for yourself that's important. You need to have a place where that's not accessible um, just for self-preservation, but it's important to be vulnerable to show humanity to show vulnerability um and i from the success of this past single forever where i talk about you know finding the beauty in myself despite all of these experiences that i've had and that have tried to tell me that i wasn't beautiful or that i wasn't enough or you know i wasn't good enough or worthy and um people responded to that so well they they i mean could they could relate and this album, I wanted to make something that was like completely just relatable on a raw level. So that's what guys can expect. <laughs> <laughs> an incredible, incredible MC, an incredible talent, an incredible person. Uh, Shyrock, I want to thank you so much for joining me in the library with Tamina Gell. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, I'm not flawless. I'm scarred up and I'm fine with it. My body are the laundry list of all of life's and kindnesses. But I still sip tea and chant home and live free. Cause hardships and heartbreaks turn to rap epiphanies. And mom told me stay woke. Cause all gold ain't glistening. Choose your words wisely. Cause the all-knowing's listening. But no worries. I'm Gucci. My thighs are low juicy. My dialogue, low awkward. My idols still move me. My life is a movie. Like Raheem and Mookie. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Hope that it improves me. My bamboos are custom to me. You'll be soon accustomed to me. This tomorrow, I got royal hemoglobin coursing through me. And my strength is now inhuman. I get that straight from my own. Be signed silk from out the grill of yours and truly. You better shine on a baby, you a star. You better be exactly who you are forever. Cause they gon' try and change your heart. Don't let up. Cause you're so damn fine just the way you You better are. shine on a baby, you a star. I was in that mirror like four or five times a week on my mile of beats reciting affirmations like holy rites and I still don't know everything. But I guess confessions from 8 by 11s and studio sessions seem like it's only right. And trust me, this my therapy. Fuck your couch. Finna murk all these Murphy types. Funny style. me shut your mouth. Touch me. I'm slaughtering crews, squads, goons, teams. The queen is coming to rule your region. Coming for all of your asses plus your house. I ain't always have it in me. No titles for pretending. I was 14 years old forcing pills down my throat. So my baby fat diminished. Still got these scars from cutting my wrist when I thought the life was finished. Now they remind me what my lows look like. Now I know the sky's the limit. Okay. Never claim to be perfect. That's an impossible dream. I'm just saying that I'm worth it. That's the responsible thing. It's been half my life when I find my life from outside sources. Why the only voice that mattered came from me. You better shine on them, baby. You're a star. You better be exactly who you are forever. Cause they gon' try and change your heart. Don't let up. Cause you're so damn fine. Just the way you are. 
man, she too aggressive, that's too masculine. And her content, little too obsessive, just relax a bit. She say she got, that's narcissistic, just the facts of it. Now nah, I don't really F with female rappers, that's just sacrilege. Glad I learned early not to internalize every ink up. Daddy told me with every opinion that comes a sphincter. And they would rather see them thoughts than popularize a thinker. Why them lagging archetypes is chasing cat, I'm trying to sphinx her. Rap bevels can caramello, apparel mainly vintage. Meryl composer, warrior, so every verse became a vengeance. Went through too much hair to not be fine, but they still feigning ignorance. So now I came to click my just do it, remaining anxious. Baby, I'm a star without the flash frame of Fenty. Came out the doctor, up the entire game upon my entry. Kept it 100, messed around and gained another century. In this, now I'm aiming to pop off to my mental chambers empty. I'm unbothered, your standards is irrelevant. I might F around and rock a body, y'all just for the hell of it. They've been trying to martyr me for ages, cause my melanin. So now I'm soaking UV rays with shakers slathered on my abdomen. My dude, I'm magic, my game is God is my mood. It's savage, that's game is Connie's my moves and mountains, my range. Astonishing dames, the sun is like rain and comets, they blazing. Trails to planets all hell is kind of amazing. That's right, we'll call it self love. Discovered I was dope and indulged like I'm scale drugs. And you could call me arrogant and that's gonna help me. But if you try to knock me down, your demolitions fell, bruh, fell, bruh, fell, bruh, fell. You better shine on them, baby, you a star. You better be exactly who you are forever. Cause they gon' try and change your heart. Don't let up. Cause you're sure damn fine just the way you You better are. shine on them, baby, you a star. You better Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.